And now for our sermon, with it being Advent, as you'd likely expect, we're starting a, a new series, and it's an Advent series, of course. Uh, and so we're going to spend the, the next three weeks, four weeks, including this week, in this Advent series, uh, really looking at, um, of course, the theme of, of Christ and his birth, but, but really sort of looking at this Christmas season, this Advent season as a whole, and saying, we really want this season to be uh, all that it ought to be. And I think all too often in the midst of this Christmas season, the Advent season, it's just naturally such a, a busy time, right? We have all of our sort of regular daily obligations, work, family, all of that. But then on top of that, you sort of heap onto that, well, you got to buy all the presents and, you know, you got to wrap them. And then there's all of the, the cooking and the baking uh, and, and the decorating. And these are all good and, and wonderful things. But I think what can so often happen, it happens for me, I'm sure for, for all of you as well, as you try to cram all of that uh, into what is already a full and busy life. And you're cramming it all into what amounts to, you know, three and a half weeks, right? In 24 days, it's Christmas Day, you know, three and a half weeks or so. And what you realize is you become so so busy with all of this that you sort of all too often lose sight of, of what it's really all about. That it's all about, of course, Christ, his birth, and, and why he came to, to rescue us uh, from our sin. That, that, of course, because of sin, we're, we're held captive, right? We're rightfully, uh, justly under God's judgment and on our own. Well, we have no hope on our own, but of course, we know we do have hope, and it's in Christ. He came. He died in our place so that through faith in him, we might be forgiven and have life everlasting, right? This is what Christmas is all about. It and we sort of know that in our minds, right? That's probably nothing new to us. You can say, yeah, Pastor Steve, I know that. I'm aware of what Christmas is about. But I think because of the busyness, sort of the, the hectic pace to, to this season, all too often while we understand that, we sort of lose sight of it. That ceases all too often to be our daily focus, that every day, right, we're, we're all too often not saying, Lord, this is one more day in the Advent season, Lord Jesus, and all I want to do is just uh, be still before you. I just want to come into your presence and just draw near to you, and I just want to worship you, and I just want to praise you, and I just want to give you thanks and celebrate that you came and what you came to do. All too often, instead of drawing near to the Lord and spending that time with him and celebrating what this is all about, again, because of all that's going on, the, the fast pace, it's all, it's all good stuff, but all too often it sort of sidetracks us and, and steers us off course, and we lose sight of and, and lose focus in regard to what this season is all about. And so I want us to sort of focus on a Christmas season, Advent season reboot. That's what I'm entitling the series, Christmas season reboot, reboot, because I think uh, we really do need a reboot in many ways in regard to the Christmas season, the Advent season, and say, hey, let's not do what all too often we do and get caught up in that fast-paced life and all the presents, all the stuff that it's good. I'm not sort of the Grinch here in my heart's two sizes too small, and it needs to grow three sizes and burst the, the little thing, you know what I mean? We've seen the movie, right? Or I'm not Scrooge and Bah Humbug, presents, they're terrible, and don't decorate. No, those are all good and wonderful things and ways in which we can celebrate Christ and we can celebrate Christmas. But the problem is just when that becomes the focus and we lose sight of what it's really all about. So I'm not saying be rid of all that stuff, but I just want for us to sort of uh, reboot things in a sense and say, let's not be sidetracked by that anymore. You can still do those things, but let's 
keep our eyes focused on Christ, what it's really all about. And this week, I'm sort of going to set the, the groundwork for this series. And then for the remaining three weeks, what we're going to do is look at certain spiritual disciplines that I think will really help us to, as we live them out, as we practice them, I think they will really help us to make this Advent season, this Christmas season, all that it ought to be, a time of really coming before the Lord, fellowshipping with him, worshiping him, praising him, celebrating uh, Christ, his birth, and what he came to do. And so we're going to be taking a look at certain spiritual disciplines. Again, this week we're going to set the foundation, but then for the remaining three weeks, we're going to look at different spiritual disciplines that as we practice them over this Advent season, over this Christmas season, will really help us uh, to live out what the Christmas season, Advent season, really ought to be uh, in a way that will honor God all the more and in a way that will bear all the more fruit uh, and joy and peace in our lives as well. So today, uh, to start, as I said, we're going to lay the groundwork. Uh, and the way in which we're going to lay the groundwork is to say, right, if we really want this season to be all that it ought to be, well, then you have to know what the season's all about and not lose sight of that and remain focused on that. So I want to talk about what Christmas is really all about and sort of dive deep into this. Uh, and so we're going to look at Luke chapter 2. You can flip there in your Bibles. Luke 2, verses 1 through 20. And these are some awfully familiar verses to us, I would imagine, especially this Christmas season right off. And these are Advent readings, or you read them on Christmas Eve, or as you do your Advent devotionals. Uh, but I'll read this for us, starting at verse 1. It says, In those days, Caesar Augustus issued a decree that a census should be taken of the entire Roman world. This was the first census that took place while Quirinius was governor of Syria. And everyone went to their own town to register. So Joseph also went up from the town of Nazareth in Galilee to Judea, to Bethlehem, the town of David, because he belonged to the house and line of David. He went there to register with Mary, who was pledged to be married to him and was expecting a child. While they were there, the time came for the baby to be born, and she gave birth to her firstborn, a son. She wrapped him in cloths and placed him in a manger because there was no guest room available for them. And there were shepherds living out in the fields nearby, keeping watch over their flocks at night. An angel of the Lord appeared to them, and the glory of the Lord shone around them, and they were terrified. But the angel said to them, Do not be afraid. I bring you good news that will cause great joy for all the people. Today, in the town of David, a Savior has been born to you. He is the Messiah, the Lord. This will be a sign to you. You will find a baby wrapped in cloths and lying in a manger. I just want to pause here at this point and really look at, at verse 11 that we just read. Uh, I'll read it again. Today in the town of David, a Savior has been born to you. He is the Messiah, the Lord. Right here, just in one verse, in a sense, we see what Christmas is really all about. What is this whole season, this Advent season, this Christmas season? You know, what's it all about? And again, I realize this isn't necessarily new to us, but what I really want for us is, is to continue to focus on this, what Christmas is really all about throughout the Advent season, and we'll talk more about that. But right here in just one, one verse, it tells us really what, what Christmas is all about, what this season's all about. It's about this child who is born. 
right? But this isn't just sort of some regular old child. You know, it's not like, oh, my birthday, which is no big deal, right? It's not like 2,000 years from now, people are going to be celebrating my birthday, right? I'm of no great significance, right? But this isn't just sort of some regular old child who just happens to be born, and for some reason, way later, thousands of years, we're still talking about him, and we're still thinking about him, right? No, this is, this is far more significant, and in fact, we're told more about this child who is born, right? This is, uh, in fact, the moment in history that'll change everything, right? If this hadn't happened, well, we have no hope. We're stuck in our sin. But of course, this event did happen, and it changes everything, and we can be forgiven, right? But so it tells us about this child, who he is. And it says three things, right? Today in the town of David, a savior, so he's a savior. He has come to save, right? The savior has been born to you. He is the Messiah. So he's the Messiah, the Christ. And of course, as it closes, the Lord, right? And here, Lord, very clearly, it's not in the sense of, and certainly the, the word Lord could be used just to mean sort of master or boss, sort of someone in a position of authority above you, almost a little bit like sir, as we might say today. Uh, but that's clearly not the sense in which it's used here. Quite clearly here, it's used in reference to God himself, it, it, used in reference to uh, the Lord himself, God. It's saying he is Yahweh. He is the one true God. He is the Lord. So this, this little child, right, this should sort of blow our minds when we think about it, saying, well, here's this little child, right, and born in all places. Where does he wind up being laid, right, you know, sort of in the guest room and in this manger? Not exactly how you would expect some great king, the Messiah, to come, or God himself, all the more so. And yet in this little manger, who is this? Well, it's the Lord. It's Yahweh. It's God the Son, right, who has come. He has taken on flesh. He has become one of us. Right, and he is the Messiah, right? He is that Christ, that Messiah who was long promised, long prophesied about, even thinking uh, back to at the beginning of our, our service, that Advent reading, right? Isaiah chapter 9, verses 1 through 7. That's what it's all about. Roughly, you know, 700 or so years before Christ's time, before his birth, right? We have this prophet Isaiah, and he's talking about the coming Messiah. Right? The one who will come, who will be that king from the line of David, who will rule forever and ever over God's people. Right? And the people of Israel were, were waiting for this day, generation after generation, just yearning for his coming, just waiting. We're, we're eager for the Messiah to come. And it's saying, well, here he is. Right? This little baby right, wrapped up in some swaddling cloths, laying there in the manger. He's no ordinary baby. He is the Lord. He is God himself. It's God the Son. He is the Messiah. He is the Christ. It's still a good question to ask would be to say, well, why did he come? You know, what's the purpose of it all? So God has come to this earth, and he's become a person, fully God, fully divine, yet fully man now as well. And he's the Messiah, this promised Messiah that, right, the people of, of, of Judah had been told about generation after generation, the people of Israel, and they were waiting for his coming. But sort of, well, why is he here? Why, why has God shown up, right? This thing that should sort of blow our minds, the idea of God coming down to earth, becoming a person, right? We should have this sense of awe and wonder and say, well, what's it all about? What's going on here? And the answer is simple in this verse, right? Today in the town of David, a savior has been born to you. He has come to save. He's on a rescue mission, right? As I sort of mentioned earlier in the message, though, you know, apart from this, well, we're sinners, 
God is a just God. He is a holy God. He's not going to tolerate sin and rebellion. And as a just judge, what's he going to do? What he ought to, in justice, punish our sin. And so if, if Christ hadn't come, if, if none of this had taken place, well, then what's, sort of, what's in store for us? Well, we're sinners. We can't rectify our problem on our own. We're steeped in sin, and therefore we justly stand under God's punishment. And what's in store for us is eternal punishment right? The fires of hell forever and ever, right? Maybe we wouldn't like that idea, but that's the reality. That's the truth of it. But of course, that isn't sort of the whole story. But of course, he does come, right? Christ does come. God the Son does come, become a person. He is the Messiah, right? That promised king, and he came to rescue us from our sin. Though we were stuck in sin, no hope to get out on our own. He says, I will come. I'll deal with your sin problem. You can't take care of it on your own, right? You can't handle this sin problem, but I can. So he says, I'll come. I'll become a person. I'll be on this rescue mission. And the way I'm going to rescue people is, well, I'm going to go and take their place and take the punishment, the wrath of God that man rightfully deserves, right? You deserve to be punished. Well, I'm going to stand in your place. God isn't going to sweep sin under the rug. Someone's got to be punished, right? A person has to be punished. But he says, well, I'll take your place. I'll take your place. I'll take your punishment. And then if you just turn toward me in repentance and faith, right, well, then we're forgiven. Our sins are forgiven. The atoning work of Christ is applied to us. Our sin's paid for. It's done, right? It's cleansed. It's dealt with, and we're forgiven. And then we have life. We're, we're restored into a right relationship with God. We're reconciled to him. We have uh, fellowship with him. We have everlasting life, right, in him. And so that's what Christmas is about, this Christmas season, that I think, yes, we understand this. Again, I think probably most of us are saying, you're not telling me something I don't know, Pastor Steve, right? Okay, I realize who Jesus is. I realize that that's what Christmas, what Advent's about, his birth, and not just that he came, right? Not just that God came, he was born, uh, right? Took on flesh, became a person, was the Messiah, of course, right? And rescued us from our sin. But again, I think all too often what happens is even though we know that, we sort of lose sight of it. We, it ceases to be our focus all too often in the Advent season. This season we've set aside to all the more draw near to the Lord, draw near to Christ, celebrate him. All too often the opposite is what takes place. And because there's so much busyness with maybe the intent of focusing on the Lord, yet we get caught up in all the stuff. And what winds up happening is we lose our focus. We sort of lose that focus of this is about Christ. This is all about his coming. This is all about what he came to do to rescue us. And we ought to give him his due. We ought to be still before him, draw near to him, of course, and just celebrate him. Celebrate what he did, his coming, his birth, his atoning work on the cross, whereby he has rescued us from sin and just worship him and praise him. But now I want to read on and finish off this passage. Right? I'll sort of pick up where I left off. It said, this will be a sign to you, right? speaking to the shepherds here, you will find a baby wrapped in cloths and lying in a manger. Suddenly a great company of the heavenly host appeared with the angel, praising God and saying, glory to God in the highest heaven, and on earth peace to those on whom his favor rests. When the angels had left them and gone into heaven, the shepherds said to one another, let's go to Bethlehem and see this thing that has happened which the Lord has told us about. So they hurried off and found Mary and Joseph and the baby who was lying in the manger. When they had seen him, they spread the word concerning what had been told them about this child, and all who heard it were amazed at what the shepherds said to them. 
But Mary treasured up all these things and pondered them in her heart. The shepherds returned, glorifying and praising God for all the things they had heard and seen, which were just as they had been told. So again, sort of capping up, recapping this passage here, we see what Christmas is all about. And again, as I said, it's not new to us, but all too often we lose that focus. Christmas is about this child who was born. No ordinary child, not like me, not like you, right? Something that, that ought to blow our minds that, in fact, this is God himself laying in that manger, right? He's the one who came, right? The second person of the Trinity, God the Son, he came, took on flesh, was the Messiah, that promised king from the line of David, and he came to be a savior, to rescue us from our sin. But historically, as we think of the season of Advent, the Christmas season, while it was certainly always about looking back, uh, at Christ's first coming and celebrating that, sort of historically speaking, the, the season of Advent, this Christmas season, uh, what was always also present in, in one's mind, in a believer's mind, and part of the intent of the season was to say, not only did he come, but he's coming back as well. It's not just that there's a first coming and that's the end of the story, right? That's it, done. But no, he's coming back as well. And what is he going to do when he returns, right? Well, when he came the first time, what did he do? He rescued us from our sin. He brought about redemption, right? He started this redemptive, restorative work. Uh, he brought about redemption, but there's still the complete restoration of all things that still has yet to, to come about, right? We can sort of look around us and say things aren't all perfect, right? We still wrestle with sin in our lives. We look at the world around us and we say, there's still pain, there's still hurt, there's still suffering, people die, right? We see the imperfections all around, and it's not like Jesus just says, I'm going to come, I'm going to save you from your sin, but then that's all. The world's just going to keep on going about as it is, all broken and imperfect forever and ever and ever. No, he says, I came the first time to begin this redemptive, restorative work and rescue people from their sin, but I'm going to come back Right? I'm going to come a second time. I will return. And when I do, I'm going to finish this work that I started. And I'm going to set everything right, set everything the way it ought to be. This broken world, this broken order of things, well, it will cease to be. And everything will be made perfect. There'll be a new heaven, a new earth. And there'll be no more imperfection, right? No more sin, no more suffering, none of that. Everything will be perfect as Christ ushers in the, the fullness uh, of his kingdom, the fullness of the perfection and glory of his heavenly kingdom. And we read about this, right, what Christ is going to bring about when he returns uh, in Revelation chapter 21, verses 1 through 4. So I'll read it for us here. Revelation 21, 1 through 4. And it says, Then I saw a new heaven and a new earth. And this is John speaking, the beloved disciple. Then I saw a new heaven and a new earth, for the first heaven and the first earth had passed away. And there was no longer any sea. I saw the holy city, the new Jerusalem, coming down out of heaven from God, prepared as a bride beautifully dressed for her husband. And I heard a loud voice from the throne saying, Look, God's dwelling place is now among the people, and he will dwell with them. They will be his people, and God himself will be with them and be their God. He will wipe every tear from their eyes. There will be no more death or mourning or crying or pain, for the old order of things has passed away. 
right? This is what will come about. This will be sort of the new state of things when Christ returns. This is what he's going to do. He's going to do away with all evil, with every imperfection, and that includes the, the sin and evil within us, right? Even as followers of Christ, we still struggle with, with sin. There will be no more sin, right? We will be made perfect. Every imperfection, the pain, the suffering, right? That's what it talks about in that last verse. It says, right, it'll be no more, right? He will wipe every tear from their eyes. There'll be no more death or mourning or crying or pain for the old order of things has passed away, right? All of that imperfection, it will be done away with and, and what will be ushered in will be this new, perfect, glorious state of things, this new creation. Everything will be perfect. Everything will be wondrous and glorious, perfect peace, perfect joy. And we who trust in Christ, we will have a share in it. We will be a part of that. And in fact, we will be made perfect as a part of that new glorious, perfect, created order. And so this is what is in store for us. And as we think of Advent, we realize, as we think of this Christmas season, yes, we should always be looking back at Christ and his first coming and, and celebrating that and saying, Christ came and look at what he did when he came. He came, but he came with a purpose, right, to make atonement for sin, to set us free. But it's not like that's it. It's not that he set us free, but we're going to live in this broken world forever. But he says, no, I'm going to come back and I'm going to set everything right and make it all perfect and all glorious, right? And not only will everything be perfect, but what it says here, right, I'll read verse 3. It says, I heard a loud voice from the throne saying, look, God's dwelling place is now among the people, and he will dwell with them. They will be his people, and God himself will be with them and be their God. So not only will things be perfect, no more pain, no more suffering, but, but what is promised here is we will dwell with God face to face. We will see him in the fullness of his beauty and majesty and glory. We will dwell in his very presence, in the fullness of his presence. And what a glorious inheritance that is. And that is what is promised to us. And so even as it's Advent and naturally we look back and we celebrate what Christ has done with his first coming, we celebrate his birth and what he did on the cross, right? The, the purpose of his coming, but we ought to always be looking forward, right? Every follower of Christ ought to always be looking forward and saying, it's not over. The story's not done, but you are going to return. And when you do, you will do a wondrous, glorious thing, Lord, and you will set everything right and perfect. And that ought to be a source of great joy and hope to us as followers of Christ. And so as I think of, of sort of recapping, sort of summing up where we've come, what we've talked about here, uh, really the theme here, sort of setting up, we really wanting this Christmas season, this Advent season to be what it ought to be, not to fall prey as we so often do. And I, this is the case for me. I fall prey to it as well, getting caught up in just sort of the busyness. I feel like even earlier this day, earlier this week, I was just sort of thinking of looking at my calendar and all that's coming up and you start to stress. And I did, and it's like, man, I got this going on and that and that. And it's so easy just to get caught up in all of the things that are happening, all the, the stuff that sort of looks good, and it is good, but all too often it sidetracks us. And I want to say, no, 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 I'm not going to make, right, Advent season, Christmas season 2019, just like it was the years before where I, I get sidetracked. I make this season all about the events, the parties, the gifts. Th those are tangential. Those can be good things, but it's not what it's about, but rather to say, no, I want this season to be what it really is supposed to be, a time of really drawing near to Christ Right, just drawing near to him, a time of spiritual growth, spiritual rejuvenation, just as we draw near to him, focusing on, on that first coming, not losing sight, right? We can understand what it's about, but I want us not just to understand what Christmas is about, but to always have it in focus. 
throughout the duration of this Christmas season to not lose sight of it and always remember each and every day, this is what this season's about. It's about that first coming of Christ, that he came, he was born, right? God himself, he came down, took on flesh. He was that promised Messiah, and he came to save, to save me, to save all who would trust in him. But then also to remember, but that's not it. This Advent season, there's something else to focus on as well. And it still has to do with Christ and his coming, but it's the second coming. And remember, he's coming back, right? And to celebrate that, even as we're celebrating the birth of Christ, his first coming, saying, but Lord Jesus, I'm celebrating the fact that I know you're going to return. And that when you return, you will set everything right and that I will have a share in this new created order as a child of yours, as one who belongs to you, who is a child of the Father. And just to celebrate that, and as we focus on all of this, as we don't lose sight of what it's all about, just to worship Christ, just to celebrate him, to to worship him, to praise him, to give him thanks for his first coming and the fact that he's coming back as well. And, And I think if we fail to do that, the reality is, We're cheating two different people. Most significantly, if we fail to really uh, focus on what it's all about, if we get sidetracked and the Christmas season just becomes about sort of the superficial things, the parties, the presents, the decorations, the cookies, all that, right? All those things that are not bad, but they're not what it's really all about. If we get sidetracked by that, we ultimately and most significantly, we're cheating God. We're cheating Christ out of the honor and the worship and the praise that he rightfully deserves. But not only are we cheating him out of that, but we're cheating ourselves as well. This is a time when we ought to experience wondrous joy and peace as we focus on Christ, as we celebrate him, as we worship him. Yes, we ought to be worshiping him for his sake, for his glorification, but there ought to also be a joy that comes from that. And as we pour forth praise and worship, right, there's a peace and a joy that comes about in the life of, of and heart and soul of the believer and we cheat ourselves out of that joy and that peace when we fail to make this season what it ought to be and we sort of neglect Christ as we sort of pursue the gifts and all those other things. And so I want to challenge us to really keep our focus day after day on what it's really all about this season. Christ himself, that he came, that he came to rescue us and not only that but he's coming back. Don't lose sight of that. Remember that every day and worship him and praise him And don't cheat him of the honor and worship he deserves. And don't cheat yourself out of that joy and peace that comes from worshiping him as well. Amen. Let's pray. Lord God, Lord Jesus, thank you for coming 2,000 plus years ago. You came. You changed the course of history. There was this little child in with the animals in a feeding trough, but that child was no ordinary child as we know. It was you, Lord God, our Messiah, our God, our Savior. You came to rescue us. May we not lose sight of that. May we not substitute for that gifts and cookies, those can be wonderful ways of celebrating you, but may that not become the focus, but may we keep the proper focus on you, on your coming, and remembering the whole time too, not only did you come, but you're coming back, and what a glorious day that will be for all of your people.
when you usher in the new creation and we are a part of it and we will dwell with you face to face in the fullness of your glory and how we long for that day. May this season be a time of truly drawing near to you, Christ, truly worshiping you, pondering the wonder of what took place, celebrating you, celebrating your birth, and just giving you the worship that you are due and experiencing wondrous joy and peace in that. And we pray this all in Christ's name. Amen.